Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing and acceptable to you, Lord. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see and minds to understand what you have for us tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Choices. We all have to make them. Um, all the time, every day, uh, multiple times throughout the day. Some of them are, are, are pretty no-brainers. You know, do I get up in the morning? Do I take a shower? Do I put on clean underwear? Should I wear deodorant? I mean, you know, unless you're a middle school boy, that's kind of an easy question to answer. I was just at them, with them recently at JAM. Trust me, they have a little trouble with that one. Um, you know, some of them, you know, need a little more thought. Like, what's the plan for dinner this week? Uh, uh, who's taking the kids to the activities? H- how should we most effectively tackle our, our to-do list uh, as, as it's gone? Some of them, sometimes we, we make, you know, must be honest, stupid choices, right? Um, should I eat taco number 10 after I've had nine already? Uh, uh, what, uh, do, do I really need to put shoes on my feet? I'm just running outside for a second, even though I know there's probably anthills hidden in, uh, in the yard. Uh, as a high schooler, should I leave my sister in the car for an hour and a half because I want to stand outside after church and hang out and talk to this girl I have a crush on? By the way, those three questions, I have no experience with any of them whatsoever and don't know what anybody's talking about. So, um, but, but some of them, y'all, you know, all silliness aside, sometimes we face some serious choices with, with serious consequences and, and results to those choices that we make. You know, sh- should I lie to get or stay out of trouble, uh, whether that's to friends or family or at work? Uh, sh- should I say or post that comment on Facebook or Instagram or, or whatever social media you prefer to use? If I, if I choose to do this thing that everybody else is doing, like, what's going to happen? Or if I choose not to do this thing that everybody else is doing, what's going to happen? And then my favorite, how far is too far? And I'm not just talking about sexual sin here either because, I mean, that's in there, but, but in anything. Like, how close to the line can I actually get without crossing it? Or, or how close to the line can I actually get without doing something wrong? And, and let's be honest here, guys. Okay, just for a second. Oh, you know, a lot of us go, oh, Mike, that question, you know, the how far is too far, and some of those questions you brought up, you know, that's something you talk about with the teenagers. I mean, we're, we're adults, not a... No, come on, let's, let's be real for a little bit tonight, okay? We, we all face those questions, those challenges, every single day, from the youngest in the room to the oldest in this room. We, we all do. We face those things. We have those choices that, that we have to make. And I know because I face those choices. Those are some for real things that we, we face. So let's not play games tonight. Let's, let's be real for a bit. Right? Because ultimately, when it comes right down to it, the real question that you're asking, the real choice that you are faced with making when you try and make those kinds of decisions are, is what I'm about to do, is the decision I'm about to make, is that going to bring glory and honor to God or is it not? And that doesn't matter how intense you think that choice is, that decision is. It could be like as a tiny little thing about do I get up in the morning and go to work? Or it could be as crazy intense as some life-changing decision. But ultimately, they all ask the same thing. Is what I'm about to do going to honor God, or is it not? 
That's what it boils down to. And we know that not honoring God, disobeying what God wants us to do is sin. And regardless of how large or, big or, or small you think it is, sin is sin is sin is sin is sin. And it's yucky. And to anyone who's had to change a poopy baby diaper, quite a few, right? Um, multiply that smell by, you know, 11 billion, and you kind of get the idea of how terrible sin smells to God. Kind of. Maybe. But then the reverse is also true, because when we choose to honor God, when we choose to be obedient, when we choose to make the choice that brings him glory, not that that saves us or makes him love us any more or less, we, we know that, but, but, but that aroma is one of, of love and mercy and grace and peace and thankfulness and gentleness and self-control and fruit of the Spirit, right? That's such, such a pleasing aroma to him. Excuse me, to him. So tonight, y'all, uh, we're going to look at a passage where, where a few guys had to face a choice. They had a really important decision to make, a very important one with some major consequences on either side. No matter what they chose, there were going to be consequences. So if you will, go ahead and open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 3. That's where we're going to be hanging out tonight, and we're going to be going back and forth um, as, as we kind of examine this passage. Daniel chapter 3, starting in verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits, and its breadth was 60 cubits, he, or 6 cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar uh, sent to gather the satraps and prefects and governors and counselors and treasurers and justices and magistrates and the officials of the province to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then all these people gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image, and a herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, pipe, bagpipe, and every other kind of music, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshiped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. All right, a couple of quick reminders. As we start getting to this passage, this is the Babylonian Empire. Again, if you haven't figured that out by the mentioning it a couple of times in the passage, Israel is in captivity. Both the northern and southern kingdom have both fallen and been taken over. So there, they have no control, no power, no nothing. They are in bondage at this point. King Nebuchadnezzar is in charge. Again, if you haven't figured it out from the passage, it's, it's obvious. Um, this is before the Persian Empire comes in. This is before the Jews get to go back home and start rebuilding Jerusalem before Esther and Ezra and Nehemiah, all those things happen. We're, we're way before that. This is, again, the time of Daniel. Now, in Daniel chapter 3, as we kind of get into it, we'll see that Daniel's not mentioned. He's not in this uh, event. We don't know where he is, but he may have been off on a mission for the king or, or something. Just He wasn't there, okay? Most likely, he was not there. His name is not being mentioned. All right, so we see that there's a choice that has to be made here right in this very beginning before we even talk about these guys and, and the decision that they make. They have to make a choice. Music plays. I mean, there's been a command that's been given, right? Music plays. Everybody bows down and worships this big gold statue. 
or you're a crispy critter. Like, that's it. That's, that's it. That, that's, that's the choice, right? You, you will burn in a furnace, which is pretty much a giant kiln that they use to make the big statue, right? So either you bow to the statue or the statue's going to eat you is basically what you're looking at here, right? And seeing as this is coming from the guy who was arrogant enough to build a golden statue that looks like himself, that threat's probably pretty real. All right, so this is the order and command that they face. And then we see that there's a lot of pressure to do this, not only from this threat, but from other things that are happening as well. So let's go back to the passage. and picking back up in verse 8. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared, King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, dragon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall bow down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews who you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Nebuchadnezzar, in a furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every other kind of music, fall down and worship the image that I have made. Well and good. But if you do not worship, you will immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? All right, so now we see these three guys, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't bow. And, and, and they didn't. Uh, and so there's a couple of tattletales, basically, uh, that go and turn them into the king, right? Uh, they, they go and, and they tell on them. You, you know, uh, there's always that one or a couple of people who are just looking to get somebody else in trouble. Uh, they just are, and, and that always comes up, you know, waiting for an opportunity to do it, especially if it's somebody that they hate. And here they are. It's nothing new. They're doing it right there. There's, there's jealousy and pride and a desire, again, to get someone else in trouble. These guys could probably still be bitter at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego after the events of Daniel chapter 1. Right? If you remember from chapter 1, Daniel and then these three guys, they make a decision to, to honor God instead of uh, do what the king wants them to do. And, and in the end, it works out well for them. They're honored for that, and they're kind of promoted above everybody else. And so these guys are probably leftovers from that, and, and there's a good chance that, again, they're, they're jealous. You know, how easy is it for us to choose to hold a grudge when somebody else gets something good given to them? Um, especially, again, if it's something good and, and we don't get it, especially if we think we deserve it. Just an aside, guys, we as Christians, we're called to be different. We are supposed to uh, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. We, we are called to, to, to come alongside and, and, and help with these people, not be jealous, not hold this against them. So, But they weren't like that. Again, they weren't followers of God, and, and so they did it. So word gets to the king, who obviously is not happy that they're not doing what they were told, um, and he comes to yell at them. And he does, and he yells at them. Now, don't miss this, right? What was the command if you did not bow down? Immediately you were to be thrown in the fiery furnace. That didn't happen. 
Do you notice that? Do you see this? Don't miss this. This is really cool. Right? It was, it was, you don't bow down, you immediately get thrown in and die. Not you get a talking to and, and you get a second chance. This is big. Don't miss this. Do you think that maybe God was already doing something? I do. Even here. Think about it. How many more people are now like witness to everything that's going on? To what these three guys are doing? Because these other jealous people who are not God followers pointed it out. Now the attention is all on them. These three guys have a captive audience of a king and all these officials, right? They're now all looking at him and at these three guys and seeing what they're about to do. What an incredible opportunity to share about the one true God because the punishment is suddenly modified and delayed. Do you see how God is already working because of the choice that they made? We haven't even gotten into what you'd call the good part of the story yet. Like, he's already doing things because these guys made a choice to honor God. He's arranging things so that he gets the most glory because it's due him. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. He gets it all. God is already working to do things in this way. All right, so anyway, they're given an extra chance, and they even have an opportunity to speak, which they weren't supposed to have in the first place. They should be, you know, fried by now. And now they have a chance to speak, and so they have a big choice to make. Let's look at the passage and see what they do. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. All right, so again, the king and the people and the officials who turn them in, the guards that are threatening to you know, arrest them and shove them in the fire furnace, all these people are staring at these three guys. They have this captive audience again. Right? And they want to see what, what, what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are about to do. I mean, we're talking like major peer pressure here. <laughs> and, and, and death threats and all, like, these things are very real and present. And so they respond. And, and honestly, they respond in an incredible way. Guys, this is, this is probably one of my favorite responses in all of Scripture when someone is faced with a decision on whether or not to honor God. I love this. I love what they say. In fact, here, we're going to look at it again. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. (laughs) The faith of these guys. Do you understand what they're saying? God can save us. We believe that he can because that's who our God is. Did you notice back in verse, um, uh, sorry, I lost my spot. Verse 15, Nebuchadnezzar basically calls himself a God, little g. Like what, what God is able to deliver you out of my hands as if 
he is an all-powerful God who cannot, no one can save him. He's basically calling himself a God a few verses back. And they're answering him with that question saying, yeah, our God, big G, Yahweh, he can do that. But then they go a step further, which is an absolutely amazing part, this faith and trust here. (laughs) Because, but if not, they didn't know that he would. They had no clue what God was going to do. See, we often forget, since we have the entire story written right here, that they didn't know. They didn't have verse um, 18 and beyond or 19 and beyond. There was no script. It wasn't written out. They had no earthly idea what was about to happen. They didn't care. It didn't matter to them. Do do you get this? Do do you really, really get this? We know. They're saying we know that God can and he might save us, but he might not. But we're still not going to change our answer. It doesn't matter what God does. We trust him and we are not changing our minds. See, there's these thoughts out there, there's these teachings out there that if you just come to Jesus and become a Christian, God's going to fix all of your problems. There's even popular preachers and pastors and teachers out there that say, all you have to do is pray harder and pray more or send money to insert blank here and God will bless you with things. You can have it all right now. That doesn't match this. That's not what Scripture says. It sounds really good to our ears, but that's not God. There's also this kind of thinking out there that, oh, if I can just do enough for God, if I can check enough things off our list, God will love me more and then give me things. It's this bargain or this deal making. And we, I mean, you know, let's be honest, we all kind of fall into that trap at one point or another in our lives. If I can just be better, you know. God, I, I promise that I won't lose my temper for the next five days if you do blah. Or God, if I can just get this promotion, I will make sure I do my quiet time for the next year. I promise. You know, and those are just a couple of examples, but we bargain, we do this as if God can be uh, manipulated. Yo, God, God can't be put into a box. He can't be manipulated into doing something, and he is definitely not the kid behind the counter at McDonald's or Taco Bell or Starbucks just waiting to take your order and to give it to you your way when you want it as long as you pay for it. That's, that's not who he is. That's definitely not what this passage is making it pretty clear about who he is. These guys, like, this, is, this is the God of the universe here. Uh, The God that said, let there be light. And then just like that, there was light. When before he said that, not only was there not light, but there was no word to describe what light would become. This is who we're talking about. This This is the God that we serve. And how often do we get, uh, excuse me, uh, and so, I lost my spot. This God is the God that we serve. This is the God that is way, way beyond us. This is the God that basically says about himself, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. This is the God who has a plan 
that we may not totally and completely understand, get, or see. How often do we get caught up in the, in the what-ifs? If I do something, if I make this choice, this could happen, or this could happen, or that could happen, and then we just kind of get so debilitated that we don't do anything. Now, I'm not saying don't consider the cost before you make a choice. I mean, we have to consider the cost. The Bible tells us, count up the cost before you do something. But, but, but that shouldn't stop you from making the right choice. See, you guys, you cannot control how others respond to the choice that you make. And you can't control God either. So you can't really control what God does when you make a choice. We are called to be followers of him. And I don't have the passage, but we are called to, uh, it's in Luke 9, it's not up on the screen, but we are called to daily take up our cross and follow him. So that's what they did. That's exactly what these guys did. These, these guys, they knew that the God of the universe might have had something different or better planned than saving them that day. He might have. They didn't know. But they knew that there was a possibility that he could have saved them or that he may have had something better for reasons that they didn't know and that they didn't understand. And he knew that even though he could save them, they, didn't, they weren't sure if he would. But again, it didn't matter. They were going to make the choice that honored him. Again, that's what they did. So let's see the results. Back to the passage. Picking up in verse 23. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? And they answered and said to the king, True. And he said, uh, Excuse me, but I see four unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace and declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire. And the satraps, prefects, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire was on them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Verse 30, Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So they're thrown into the fire. Right? We, we, we just saw that. And Jesus shows up. The, the pre-incarnate Christ. Have you ever noticed when we choose to do the right thing, especially when it's a hard decision to make, uh, when we choose to honor God, suddenly God kind of shows up? Uh, not that he wasn't there before, right? And, and I don't necessarily mean physical, physically. I mean, he does in this passage, but that's kind of an exception, not necessarily the norm. Um, and again, it's not like he went anywhere and he left and, and came back, you know, I mean, the whole omnipresent thing, so God is everywhere. Um, but, but, once we, um, have you noticed that when we kind of choose to honor him and rely on him and trust him that suddenly uh, we're, we are so focused on him, the fact that, th that he's always there kind of becomes more obvious to us, okay? And so God kind of shows up, and that's really what happens in this passage in a way. They choose to honor God, they choose to basically put their lives in his hands, and he shows up in a very cool way. Um, but, but he always does. 
that's what happens. We are forced to focus in on him, and we see that he's been there the entire time working right beside us, right with us. And when we choose to honor him through us. Guys, my, uh, my ministry journey has honestly been kind of a bizarre one. It really has been. Uh, as, as, as we've been doing ministry, and Catherine will agree, it's, it's kind of been a bizarre journey. Uh, it's taken twists and turns and, and, and gone in directions that we've not always seen coming and, and, and different things. And, and there's one time I remember um, in our journey where we were kind of blindsided by some decisions of other people that affected us directly and not in a good way. Um, we were kind of blindsided by it. It was totally, completely out of our control. There was nothing we could do. Um, and, and God didn't magically fix it when we prayed. And trust me, we, we prayed uh, a lot. Um, but he didn't, he didn't magically fix things. Uh, and we had some scary moments in there. We really did. We weren't sure what was going to happen next or what was coming. Or... But guys, we, we made a choice to trust and rely on him. And sometimes we had to do that on a daily basis. Okay, God, I don't know what's going to happen today, but I trust you. Sometimes we had to do that on an hourly basis. I have no earthly idea what's about to happen in the next five minutes, God. We need you. And I wish I could tell you that we did it perfectly until there was resolution and restitution and, and all the good things that came later on. I really wish I could, but we didn't because we're humans and we sin and we mess up and sometimes we forget that God is right there with us and we panic and we try and do things in our own strength which never works I also wish I could say I could blame Catherine for all that but for the most part those poor decisions were on me the panicking was on me it's because I lost sight of who was ultimately in control But looking back, the times when we actually chose to honor God, to trust God, he used those situations in some pretty awesome ways. We grew closer to God during some of those times. We grew closer to each other as we walked through some of these things. Me and Catherine and, and, and God. There was growth there. There was trust there. There was really some incredible times because of, of, of that happening. And, and God used us in other people's lives, and honestly in ways he, he couldn't have had we not been through what we had gone through. Looking back, there were people's lives that Catherine and I both intersected together as a couple and, and as individuals as we were doing different things that we never would have intersected had we not gone through some of these things that we had gone through. And impacts were made for the gospel. People got to hear about Jesus that would not have otherwise heard about Jesus, at least not in that way. People were influenced to make good choices that weren't otherwise, may not have been. Again, I wish I could told you we've done, we did it perfectly and, and every time we had an opportunity to do something as we were walking through this, we took that opportunity. We didn't. But the times that we did, God did some incredible, incredible things because we made a choice to trust him. 
that the things that we were facing, that this fiery furnace for us that we were having to walk through, he was there with us and that he was going to use it. Guys, God is working in things, and his main and chosen method of working is doing it through people. Everyday people like you and me. Especially the ones who choose to follow him. When it's tough, when it's easy, when it's somewhere in between, when it's fun, when it's not fun, when no one else is doing it. When there's some kind of fiery furnace staring us in the face and we know that we will be pushed in if we make the decision to honor God. But it's not about us. And it never, never was. Sometimes we have to face that challenge, whether it's because of a, a stupid choice that we've made or, or the choices that someone else has made this, and a situation is kind of thrown in our faces, whatever. God doesn't always rescue us in the way that we think he should. Sometimes he walks through the fire with us. But will you choose when you face these things to say exactly what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did? If this be so, our God who we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. He will deliver us out of our, your hand, O king. But if not, be it known that we will not serve your gods nor worship the golden image that you have set up. When you face a decision, you will choose to do something. You will. Even not choosing it is a choice. You will choose to do something. And so my challenge to you as we kind of wrap up is in the words of Joshua, choose this day who you will serve. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for the reminder that you are always with us. Lord, sometimes you allow us to face these challenges when we have to make choices for a reason and for a purpose. Sometimes they're tough choices. Father, I just pray that you help us and give us the strength and the courage to choose to honor you, regardless of what everybody else does and regardless of the results, to make the choice to honor you and to trust you with what happens next whether the results are what we want or whether the results are not. Regardless, we know that you are getting the glory and honor and praise from this, and it is all about you. Thank you for that reminder, Jesus. We love you. Amen.